Hi, welcome to the Heart of the Piano podcast, and I've got Erica Worth here, who is the editor of Pianist Magazine. Hi, Erica. Hi, nice <laughs> to speak to you. <laughs> and you. Uh, so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Pianist Magazine for people who might not be familiar with it? Sure. It is a magazine that, in, in the core of the magazine, we have 40 pages of sheet music from beginner to advanced level um, on special kind of manuscript paper. Mm. And on either side of that, there are articles, news, features, interviews with the top pianists. Um, and there's also a cover mount CD. Uh, so you can listen to all the pieces. All the pieces that are in the scores are recorded onto the CD. Um, so that's really the magazine in a nutshell. Yes. And it's UK based, isn't it? It's UK based. We are with the six issues a year, that's every other month. Um, but we are distributed all over the world. Right, right. And and um what what are the uh the the reader figures like for, for the rest of the world? Is it um like do you have loads of readers in other countries? Yes, we do. Um especially obviously in English speaking countries. Um America is a big, big um um, readership for us, as is Canada. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah but of great. course, England, UK, yeah. Yes. So I think um, one reason why I really wanted to have you on the podcast is because uh, I, I think I was really surprised that an editor uh, of such a high-profile magazine would also be such a strong musician. <laughs> and that surprised me. I don't think there's many editors of music magazines who are really, really sort of top level players as well. Um, uh, do, do you know of any? Oh, that's very sweet of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The funny, funny thing is I don't think, and I'm not being pretentious or full of myself here, but I don't think anybody could do the job if they didn't know how, let's say, how to play the piano. Sure. Um, I guess I can play quite well because I studied it for many years, but um that's that's really kind of you it, it you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and i was really excited when um i found out that your teacher um when you studied at um manhattan school of music was constance Keane. um and i'd come across her name because i'm such a huge fan of the rachmaninoff preludes and um all the recordings sort of all have various weaknesses and I've sort of never really found a, a set that I, I really sort of liked um, and uh, I kept seeing reference to Constance Keane's recordings of them so after quite a lot of effort I tracked it down it's a fabulous recording um, yeah. yeah what was she like as a teacher um, she was quite formidable um, a lot of people were very scared of her um, hmm. I had a good time with her because I don't know. Also, because I was English and she thought I was some kind of rare specimen from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> she liked my accent. So, yeah. um, uh, but she was really great with me, so much so that I had a lesson with her on Broadway on the Upper West Side. Really? Wow. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'd go to her apartment and um, for my lesson. And then she'd allow me to use her uh, swimming pool that belonged to the building after oh, wow. the lesson. Yeah, so <laughs> I had a really, I learned a lot, but I also was able to swim in the pool afterwards. Um, nice. Yeah, she was, it was good. It was good. Great year studying with her, absolutely. Mm. I, I think I saw a, a video clip of her playing possibly on YouTube, and she's um, she's very poised, <laughs> very yes. upright. Is that why she was kind of intimidating? Was she just like that as a person? Very No. Well, no. It's, well, she was quite harsh. I mean, oh. the, the, 
Yeah, the funny thing is she's tiny. She was tiny. Mm. She was about five foot. She was incredibly thin. I think just naturally thin. She only wore red. Um, right. And that included, yeah, only red, only, only, only red. And that included her lipstick as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so funny. And she was just, she was just a short fuse. She wouldn't put up with rubbish. She, you right. know, I hated, I thought she was great, but she wasn't kind to a lot of the women students. Men had it easier with her. Uh. Yeah. Don't know really, but, um, I had no problem with her, but she, I know a lot of people left her lessons in tears. Right. Yeah. Um, she was strict. She was strict, and she wouldn't put up with nonsense. And I think she was just very, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. With some people that, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> a lot of them loved her, you know. So she didn't have a lot of patience. Was that sort of patience for people who hadn't practiced or just for people who just weren't particularly good or it's a really interesting question maybe it was she didn't have patience for characters who maybe were a bit weaker oh so she's testing people she sounds like that character from what was that that film um about the the um the, the jazz big band Oh, whiplash. She sounds like oh, if she, yes, throw, if she throw, throw chairs oh at God. people and stuff. <laughs> oh, that is stunning. I saw that movie and mm. I'm not sure whether I liked it or not. I just thought it was mm. a bit over-exaggerated. But, mm. um, but I don't know. But then again, we, you know, there were lots of Asian students in school and she was, who, you know, they were actually quite demure, a lot of them. And uh-huh. They, they, she was fine with them. So I just don't know what it was. Um, she wasn't easy, and a lot of people mm. didn't get on with her. A lot of people moved from learning with her to other teachers. She, I don't know. And it wasn't just to do with whether you'd practice or not. There was some personality issue there. Okay. You know, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did I read somewhere that she used to hang out with Horowitz a bit? Oh, I don't. Were know, they friends? But- I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised, but actually I honestly don't know about that. Mm. Um she obviously had the famous husband, Abram Chastens, yes. who was a famous American composer and she played some of his music. I'm sure I heard her play Rush Hour in Hong Kong, um, which is from one of his three Chinese pieces. It's a, a set of three Chinese pieces and they're amazing. So and of course she was really Really well known for playing Rachmaninoff, you know, mm. uh, and other composers, mm. lots of other composers. Did, did she know Rachmaninoff personally? Oh, again, I don't know. I really oh. don't know. Mm. Um, don't know about that. Okay. So I love your playing, and, and you sent me through um, a few clips, and um, I mean, they're, they're really gorgeous. Um, what, what do you reckon are the <laughs> the, the main things that um, that you got from your teacher that sort of shaped your playing? by the time i went to constant i was already i guess a mature well mature as in i wasn't a kid i was already i don't know 20 so Mm. i'd already gained i guess my character and whatever already but yes um, i don't know maybe to be unique and to be true to myself and not be afraid of overindulging although I didn't want to overindulge because I don't like that I don't like um overindulged 
playing but yes. oh, I don't know I just I don't know and I did lots of different uh. repertoire I did Scarlatti and I did Rachmaninoff and Samuel Barber so mm. I guess for me I don't know I, I think I'm easier with the late romantic uh music um yeah it's a it's a common trait of us pianists isn't it <laughs> yeah maybe yeah and I like it you're right actually I'm much more at home I think in either Baroque or late Romantic than I am with classical. Yes. Mm, I think that's very yeah. common. Yeah. 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 But I don't know what she taught me. I mean, mm, it was a long time ago, but sound mm. was always very important. Mm. How to produce a good sound on the piano. Um, how How did she teach that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot. <laughs> long time ago now. I mm. don't know. She's, She'd make me really listen, um, mm. point out things that weren't right, and the line, you know, make me listen to the line and, and yes. you know, show me what I was doing wrong, uh, yeah. some note that was sticking out that didn't make sense in the line, yeah. um, you know. I think that's um, something that comes through when I listen to her playing. Um, yeah. It's it's the absolute clarity of her yes. conception of what she's doing. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. So, uh, would you do you feel that that's something that that she sort of taught that that sort of how to find that clarity? Yeah, could have been, could have been, or maybe I just had clarity to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah, because I was going to say, obviously, when when I listen to to recordings of of your playing, it's very heartfelt and very natural, and so that you know, you, it's very hard to teach that stuff. Um, yes. But uh, but I but I also hear you know really beautiful phrasing and all that kind of stuff and you know I was just wondering how much of yes. that came from Constance and how she taught that. Oh, it's so long ago. I know it sounds silly, but um, <laughs> I really really cannot remember mm, mm. Uh, what we if we focus on anything. I think it was purely we spoke about repertoire. Most probably she asked me what I was good at and, and we prepared for recitals and things and. Um, she was a support. She didn't try to change my playing. You know, I mm. think, I think, yeah, she was the support. And she, she facilitated. Yes, I would say mm. that. I would say mm. that. She certainly didn't ask, get me to change any technical, you know, my technique or, mm. uh, you know, yeah. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so... Well, um, yeah. <laughs> um, Sort of a, a, a related. Well, well. Just before I go on to that question, um, uh, am I right in thinking that you got a scholarship to uh, Manhattan School of Music? Yes, I did, and I was on even more interesting or funny or whatever is that I was on a Liberace scholarship. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, and so um, obviously uh, Constance's playing was sort of pretty um, opposite to Liberace's style. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think Liberace, the foundation, well, Liberace was alive and I did meet him, I think the year before he died, I went to oh, right. Radio Yeah, I, I saw him perform at Radio City Concert Hall because all of us students who were on Liberace scholarship mm. um, had to go, you know, and, and meet him after one of his shows. And I've got an amazing picture of me standing, it's 1986, I'm sure, and mm. I'm standing standing with a couple of other students. I'm standing right next to Liberace. It's a black and white picture. I still have it. Mm. Um, and we're all standing backstage with him afterwards. Mm. Um, yeah, so <laughs> literally, yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't get involved with anything apart from just obviously giving money towards the school, Manhattan School, to, to give to students, you know. Mm. Um, he, yeah, he didn't teach or he didn't want anything in return. It was just, um, you know, he helped students with scholarships. Right. So so I suppose you feel that, that you um, have to say good things about Liberace. <laughs> or... Oh, that's really funny. No, I've never been asked about it and i've never mm. been you know i never I, it's never been like i've never told people hey i'm on a liberace scholarship um, yes i'm usually you know if i was on a scholarship it was just i was on a scholarship but it, yes. it was um it was quite sweet actually because it, i quite like the fact i was on a liberace scholarship it's kind of um a cute little thing to have on your cv <laughs> <laughs> this is like an inverse snobbishness amazing pianist and and you know from what i know of him and of course that film which obviously isn't behind the candelabra which yes i still haven't seen it yet yes oh it's amazing i mean mm. you know we don't know how factually correct it was but I, the film as a whole is the most fantastic thing enjoyable thing to watch yes and it's yes. very very poignant and everything and i think he was a lovely character a lovely human being you know mm. So uh, it's nice to be associated with his name, absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, though, the stuff that he played was relatively lowbrow for the world of classical, and, and there was a, a, a lot of snobbishness yeah. uh, uh, against it. Um, what, what are your thoughts on sort of uh, tradition, classical music, uh, highbrow traditionalism, you know, all that kind of stuff, and Liberace and his place in all of that? I think Liberace had a really important place, um, mm. and I don't think he should be looked down upon because at that time, I mean, you know, Radio City Concert Hall, all the concert halls, you know, whenever there was a Liberace concert, it was sold out immediately, and, and he did play well. He wasn't stumbling over the notes, and he had an amazing mm. technique, an amazing training. He was a real showman, um, mm. and I, I don't think he should be looked down upon today at all, you know. Mm. Um, he although he, play, uh, although yeah. he did tend to play pieces that sounded more difficult than they were, <laughs> that's, that's mm. one one thing I'll say about him. But but yes, Ooh. what he did play was very very fluid. Um, yeah. But he never really played difficult stuff. And everyone thinks, oh, his technique was up there with Horowitz and and stuff like that. And it's like, but he never played anything actually that difficult. Well, I think he played lots of arpeggiated things yes. going up and down the keyboard. And, yes. Um, but he had, you know, he was good. He was um, fluid and, you know, I don't think his playing, you know, should be looked down upon. I mean, I think, and I really cannot say any names now, but I think there are more, I think he was really top of his game as, in, mm. in his world you know yes yes um just as i think dudley moore was a, a wonderful uh, piano oh but he, yes he was amazing yeah absolutely yeah, mm. yeah. um and there are a, a lot of i'm trying to think well victor borger was also an amazing pianist yes yes um and comedian you know mainly yeah i mean he was amazing so mm. i think there are people like that um, who are mm. talented in what in, the, in what they do, you know. Yes, I think um, it's interesting because the world hasn't seen many pianists who've turned the world of classical piano into something that's mainstream. No, 
There was Richard Claydemer. Yeah, I'm not going to count <laughs> Richard Claydemer. <laughs> Although, I oh mean, uh, having read in your in your latest um, magazine, I did see like what a what an important role he had to play in popularising piano in China, which was interesting. Yes, I mean that's <laughs> amazing. You know that I didn't even know that it was mm. my writer who who mentioned that. Mm. Um, I know, but he was incredibly influential. I remember. I grew up listening to Song for Adelaide, is it, or something? Okay. Um, and even I liked that, even if I was, you know, back at home practicing oh, produce and fusion, whatever, and I was in my teens, um, I did like to listen to Richard Claydemann. Um, mm. But uh, it's a bit like, oh gosh, who's that violinist? That Austrian German violinist, he's so huge. Oh, too. yes. Um, oh, God, what's he called? Um, Andre Rio, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't listen to him, but I believe he really can play the violin. He's actually pretty good, you know, yes, but um, he makes all his musicians sort of dress up in the most ludicrous frocks and they all look, they all have this kill me now look about them all of what what am I doing here? (laughs) But he's actually pretty good. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. Um, mm. He serves a certain audience, you know. But violin has so many, um, I say crossover with like air quotes, that there are so many crossover violinists and, and such few crossover pianists. I think that's sort of uh, an interesting lack in, in that world. Yeah, but then, I mean, what is crossover? I mean, it's kind of like, what is crossover? If somebody were to play mm. a recital of Einaudi, or um, Michael Nyman. I mean, they're actually, yes. they are, they are, they are, I guess, proper composers. But um, some people might look down on them as serious yes. piano composers. Yes. I don't quite know what crossover is. To be honest, it's so, it's <laughs> yes. so vague. I, mean, I think a lot of it is image, um, but then yeah. some of it is genuine musical crossover, like like Tokyo Myers. I think for a while yeah. was looking like he would be one of these sort of people to really drag piano into this sort of mainstream crossover area um what what's your opinion on on uh, the stuff that tokyo Myers was doing um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, again serves an audience i'm you know uh it's not something i would choose to listen to but mm. i do understand I, I do understand the popularity and how some people think it's wonderful we've all got different tastes, you know. Yes, uh, yes. We've all got different tastes, so I can't, I don't want to be judgmental, really. Mm. I mean, the, the funny mm. thing about him, from what I can gather, is that he's actually a very, very fine classical pianist. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because that when I sort of look on YouTube comments, it's people who've had no exposure to classical music sort of yeah. see him and feel that they can relate to it and go, yeah. this has been missing from my life. This has given me yeah. something that I didn't know that I'd missed until now. Well, um, yeah. That's yeah. what he's great at doing, and that's really important. And, and you know, one, therefore, you know, the world of classical music, in the end, classical piano might be listened to by more, you know. Yes. Um, so he is important, um, I, I guess, in music out to the wider audience, you know. Yes, uh, yes. Who else is like that? Oh, gosh. There's a lady who played at the Grammys, Chloe Flower. Oh, yes, I didn't watch that. I think you you recently put up a tweet about that, didn't you? I haven't I had guess. a look at it yet. Mm. You did. I mean, yet again, uh, 
an unusual pianist. She was classically trained, but she 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 wowed the audiences at the Grammys. Uh, mm. Classically trained, I believe, at Juilliard and Royal Academy of Music. But, but she's gone totally crossover. I mean, yes. there isn't any classical in there really. You know, yes. but, so I don't quite know what I don't know what crossover is. You've crossed over crossed over from classical to modern what and what's modern <laughs> I, I, I think sort of it means that people who would otherwise normally listen to pop start buying your records <laughs> that's sort of how i, I take see. it i think um and then I within see. that is a giant sort of scope for how you can fit in that um yeah. Uh, like for a long time, Vanessa May was sort of crossover, wasn't she? And I think that was more to do with her videos than anything else. Um, yeah. Back when Classic FM had a, a channel on Sky um, oh, cool. ages ago. I remember her. Yeah, mm. she was huge. She was huge. And I'm sure she's still around. Oh, um, yes. You know, definitely remember Vanessa May. Mm. But I think um, that that was all sort of, um, uh, I've been sort of very gently uh, steering things. Uh, towards um, sort of looking at Pianist magazine. Um, there, there's a really nice interview with you, um, with Melanie uh, Spanswick on YouTube, and you were sort oh, of yeah. describing how the typical uh, um, demographic of the magazine is basically yeah. sort of quite well-to-do, middle-aged, amateur, um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff in there, it's very sort of traditional classical. And I don't, yeah. and, and, you know, that's basically, that's what I love. Um, yeah. uh, I'm also aware that, that um, uh, you've probably seen a lot of the, the new sort of demographic statistics from places like Classic FM about the huge amount of young people who are listening to classical music, except they're, what they call classical music is really, I think, more sort of crossover, like yeah. sort of movie soundtracks and, um, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. There's huge amounts of young people who, who love playing things like anime soundtracks on the piano yes. and all that. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you um, feature all that kind of stuff in, in your magazine or, or is it sort of more catering more to the, the, the middle-aged, more traditional classical scene? Well, we, we try to have, we try to have one, let's say, modern score song in each issue. Um, it can, we've had Adele, we've had, ah. um, Oh, we've had everything. We've had some great film music, mm. uh, ABBA, um, you know, uh, of course, Nyman we've had. But we've had a whole array at Cole Porter. We've had the Great American Songbook. We've got, you know, uh, so we try to do a bit of that. Um, mm. But the majority of pieces, the most part, it's, it, it is classical stuff. But, you know, of all... You've got Baroque, you've got um, classical, romantic. Uh, so we, I tried to choose a great mixture of scores inside every issue uh, from beginner to advanced level. Our typical reader is intermediate level, which uh, means they can play a piece that is, is most probably around grade four grade, to grade seven standard. Mm. Um, and the typical age it's not so old, actually. A typical reader is about 35, 40. So okay. We're not, we're not talking... Uh, um, you know, of course, I've got a lot of retired readers who've got more time on their hands. But, mm. um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> people who are doing other things in their lives, they're lawyers, doctors, housewives. I hate saying housewives, that sounds horrible. But kind of um, all different types yes. of, of, of readers, really. Yes. You know. Less uh, children, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, although I'm, I'm also, um, a rock guitarist and, you know, I'm interested in all kinds of styles of music. I do really love classical music and I love the tradition and I love the, the heights really that, uh, and, and the, the subtlety and the architectural, um, complexity of, of classical music. Every now and then I seem to get into trouble, um, when I chat with people, um, who sort of, um, and I'm trying to think how to put this sort of nicely. Some people I think are a bit intimidated by classical music and have sort of, um, notions uh, about classical music that are all wrapped in i think with class and and yes. sort of all this kind of stuff and a lot of people well, you know we live in 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 very postmodern times i think where where a lot of people really believe that everything is equal and that um the latest piece of pop music is just as valid and, and equal in value <laughs> to a, a beethoven symphony or something like that have you got any opinions yeah. uh, about uh, that kind of thing Oh, it's so difficult. I just wish that classical music was as important in school as sport or Mm. blah or blah or blah. I Mm. mean, you know, why it has to be looked upon as something different and and for the elite and blah, blah, blah. I just Mm. don't understand because Mm. in the old days, I'm sure that wasn't the case. Uh, You know, going back hundreds of years, you know, there's no way it would have been elite. I don't think like it is looked upon yeah. today. Why? And, and I do blame a lot of it on education. And, yes. Um, we should all be learning an instrument. I mean, it's it, it's the arts. It, it, it take away the arts and um, the world will be a much gloomier place. Um, you know, classical music is just one of the arts and it, 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 mm. it it's, it's necessary. I do think so. And, you know, I just wish it was just taught everywhere, and you know, it was as mm. was as normal as 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 normal to people as other types of music and other art forms. You know, mm. same with opera, isn't it? People look at that as elite. Um, yes, yes. Um... I mean, Ballet, my, my, I'm not sure. <laughs> my, my, you know, my parents always used to get annoyed about that because. Yeah, people would always say, yes, but opera is so expensive, the tickets are so expensive, blah, blah, blah. And then they'd sort of point out, yeah, but how much does it cost to go and watch a football match? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually have no idea, but I believe it's expensive. But you're absolutely yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. Or to go and see Paul McCartney in concert. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it's, it's, it's very sad. Understand. I can understand, too, you go to a concert and you have to be deathly silent for a uh, sit in the audience and, and not cough. Uh, of course, coughing is a little bit frustrating. And funny, but, you know, for, <laughs> for somebody who's never been in a concert, classical concert before, they might find it intimidating and, and rather yes, steady yes. And, and, you know, uh, sitting there looking serious. <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> the image as well, it puts a lot of people off. Like, like for a long time, uh, I mean, I was primarily a musician and then I became um a photographer and I became a music photographer and suddenly it was like for the first time in my life I suddenly sort of understood how the world was working that people weren't yes. listening to the music with their ears they were listening to it with their eyes yeah it's <laughs> interesting that's really interesting um yeah I, I I could start telling very quickly whether or not people would become successful by how well by how photogenic they were and how good their image was um, That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think most people are primarily vision-driven rather than sound-driven. 
So classical Ooh. music, but then that's sort of that, that to a lot of people, that's part of classical music's appeal. It's this sort of, we are deliberately taking all the visual stuff out of it because it's the music that matters and not the visuals and that. And we, and, and then uh, I think to a lot of people, they're like, so a lot of people are, are put off. Well, that's good because we don't want people to be listening yeah. to it who are taken in by all the superficial stuff about it. Um, yes, yes, <laughs> no, but you know. But, also today, it really, really helps if you're uh, visually attracted to look at, even in classical music, you know, mm, um, mm. it does, you you know, whether you're a good marketing package, you know, it, yes. uh, so it, it's everywhere, it's, it's prevalent everywhere. Yes. But um, and Without course, naming any names, what do you think about women pianists who really exploit how many people would think exploit their sexuality Gosh. <laughs> uh, I guess everybody's got the right to do what they want to do um, mm. uh, it, 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 I think honestly it's the talent that comes first and whether yes. they're whether they do this that or the other it, it does not faze me as to how they look what they're doing it, mm. it's, an, it's, the, it's the talent that overrides everything so they can do what they like really i really think so yeah 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 you yeah. know uh unless it's offensive but i haven't yes. seen that yet <laughs> no I, I i i agree and there are you know there are uh, i'm not going to name any names and there's you know many pianists out yeah. there that take a lot of flack but at the end of the day if they sound good that's that's yeah. all really i care about so uh, anyway going backwards where i was going to go to earlier on in the conversation about you developing as a pianist how important would you say that having listened to recordings when you were um, growing up and sort of forming uh, an identity as a pianist how, how important was listening to recordings for you in in becoming a pianist i really enjoyed listening to recordings and i can't imagine not having grown up listening to recordings of pieces i loved but i don't think i came away copying them or or kind of uh i I don't know, actually. I really, really don't know. I don't think you can. You should listen too much, or you will end up just copying somebody. But yeah. um, it, it's good to listen to many, many different versions of, let's say, Beethoven's Sonata that you're you're playing. But some will say, don't listen at all. Mm. Play it first, and then listen if you feel like it. Some people actually say it's bad to listen uh, yes. before you start learning something. You know. Yes. Um, I don't think I listened to a certain pianist and said, that's the way I want to go, you know. But but then I would listen to somebody like Emil Gillel, who mm. the minute you hear his first note, you just think, oh, my goodness, I wish I had a sound like that. Yeah. And and maybe that listening to that would make you think, yes, it is possible for me to create a better sound that I've got than I'm doing right now. So, yeah, it's aspirational uh, to listen to these wonderful, wonderful pianist of, of the past and of today you know mm. makes makes you want to strive to be a better mm. better performer yourself a better player mm. so so no really strong influences from any particular no That's no interesting. i really don't not for me no i mean if it's beethoven i'll most probably go back and listen to some of baron boyne's mm. recordings he did for emi of the sonatas mm. when he was much younger you know, so it, yeah, and I'll listen to Rubenstein, I'm sure, if it comes to Chopin. Obviously, I'll listen to other people. 
So I do have my favourite the, uh, interpretations that I think, yes, wow, that's great. Uh, I must, you know, Mm. that you know for sure yeah. yes so um in in your job um editing uh the magazine i'm imagining that most of the time you are listening to and and being absorbed in the in the world of incredibly high level piano do you, do you get to listen to music at an amateur level that much you mean going to places where people are playing that are not professional yeah 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 i guess so um yes yeah, so as opposed to only constantly hearing the world's oh. best pianist <laughs> really well i would go to piano summer schools and see you know adult amateur courses oh, okay listen yeah yeah absolutely i have to be really 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 in tune with all of that because yes my magazine is, is not um it's not just it, you know, we want to help pianists. We want to help the amateur pianists. So I need to know what the typical amateur pianist, what level they are, what what, right. what, problems, yes. what problems they're encountering. You know, we have Q and A's in the magazine. We, you know, people come to us saying, "I've got this problem. How can you help?" And da 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 da. So I have to know what kind of level and how how an let's say a amateur pianist can play like. But there are really really good amateur pianists. We've run a few amateur piano competitions, and the level is. Extremely Extraordinary. Mm, mm. So, uh, you know, amateur could be anything from somebody who who can hardly play two notes to somebody who can play Ravel's Gaspard de la Nuit, you know. Mm, yes. Yeah, so I do immerse myself in the world of the amateur musician. I have to, and the amateur pianist, I have to, it's part of the job. You know. Okay, excellent. So, um, yeah, I did do um, a feature um, on the podcast uh, quite a few months ago on sort of the, the common problems that the amateurs face what what would you say would be the sort of the, the main uh the, the most useful bits of advice for amateur pianists um to, to sort of fix the common problems okay they i mean there are always hot things of sight reading is always a hot topic memorizing is always a hot topic um of course wrong notes <laughs> wrong notes uh, how to practice, how to practice with mm. very little time on your hands, the right way to practice, mm. how to approach a piano exam, how to perform in public, nerves, how to cope with nerves, yes. uh, falling apart when you sit in front of people. Yes. Um, but there's so much. I mean, there is so much. How to do a smooth arpeggio, a smooth scale. I mean, uh, you know, there's so, so much. Mm. Um, the average amateur, yeah. And so obviously this is, yeah, sorry, go on. No, how to play the pieces you really want to play, you know, mm. within a level, you know, people say, I really want to learn blah, is, am I capable of doing so? Mm. Um, I don't know, so much, so much. Yes, but I guess, I guess that question is really, well, that's what your magazine is there for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's full of advice. We've got pages of advice. We've got teachers and concert pianists giving lessons. Mm. On some of the pieces in the in the you know we've got I'd say half of the magazine is is a like how to improve your playing kind of magazine you know and mm. um, that's why people love it so much they love it because uh, they think we're helping them become a better player that's our little motto become a better yes. player yes you know so we that's what we're helping them to achieve mm. and and you always have a a cover star. Who I think most of the time you interview uh, the cover star, don't you? 
Not always. I'd say about 50-50. Okay. Um, but yeah, I love to, I love to uh, interview the cover stars. I'm, you know, I love meeting the pianists, of course. <laughs> I love chatting to them. I love hearing what they have to say. Um, and then coming back and typing away <laughs> to my little recording, making yeah. sure I actually recorded them correctly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's great. I love meeting all these great musicians, yeah. you know. Is, is there ever anybody who made you so starstruck that you could barely talk? <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. Starstruck that I can barely talk. <gasps> yes, of course. Martha Argerich. Okay. I think, I, I think because she's such an enigma and she's quite, you just, it's her personality really. You don't know whether you can... Uh, interrupt go and say hello to her she's quite elusive and mm -hmm. uh she's in another world but, but she she's such an enigma she's an amazing piano she's my hero you know the keyboard um yeah. I'd, lo I'd love to spend an afternoon with martha argrich i've, I've spoken <laughs> to her on the odd occasion if i dared i very rarely get a response back um <laughs> you know yeah like, oh, like, i've met you somewhere before and, and that's uh. it <laughs> So, so you've not um, interviewed her yet? Um, no, I haven't. Ah. First of all, she she hates to give interviews. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, but I've been to performances hers. I've met her backstage. Hmm. I, you know, I've been to. Oh, I sat across from her at a lunch once at hmm. the Verbier Festival and just listened <laughs> to what she had to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, she's great. I followed her all over the world, and I I thrust a copy of the magazine into her into her hands once. That was in. <laughs> uh, in she was on the cover, and um, right, I just run up, to, ran up to her. It was in Warsaw, in Poland, at the yes, in 2015 at the at the Chopin piano competition. I said, "Oh, hello, Marty. I don't think you remember me, but I just wanted to give you my magazine because you're on the cover." <laughs> and and did she just look very coldly at you then? She just okay. looked very no, very sweetly. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, but not that engaged. It was like, oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And she just walked off into the elevator. She, you know, mm. she kind of went, okay, and walked off. Uh, you know, she's, I think she just likes, she's a private person. And, yeah. and it's, it's not because she's got airs and graces. She is so not um, full of herself. She, I think, honestly, she's just a private person. And you have to respect that, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, so I'm trying to think of other people. I interviewed... Menachem Pressler last week. I don't know if you know him. He was the founding pianist of the Beaux Arts. Trio. Yeah, yes, uh, yes. I googled him when you when you mentioned him. Yes, yes. I hadn't known oh. him un until then. Oh, he's amazing. He's ninety five, and he's I have to say one of the most beautiful souls, beautiful characters I've ever interviewed. I came away mm. with tears in my eyes because I just thought, what a wonderful human being, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, he really. That rarely happens. But, you know, most of these musicians are very interesting. And, and I, mm. gosh, I've had 106 cover artists. I, wow. I, I think we've had 100 and, at least 100 pianists on the cover because we've occasionally done repeats of some pianists. But, mm. um, you know, we've had a lot of famous pianists on the cover. Mm. Well, you've mm. got, you know, so many talents because yeah, not not only having trained to a really high level as a, as a pianist, but, but being the editor of a magazine must it, it must have so many skills that most musicians just totally wouldn't have. 
Uh, one of those is, inter- is interviewing people. Did you sort of, um, do you, were you already a natural at interviewing people? Or, uh, I'm absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I fell into this totally by chance. If you'd have told me when I was 20, you're going to be the editor of a piano magazine, I'd have laughed. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was a pianist, and then I decided I didn't want to be a pianist and that happened very naturally and there there are no regrets and I came back to the UK from America and I I got a job at a record company in press at uh, EMI Records Classical the famous place where I think the Beatles hung over the balcony or something and um, yeah and and I loved that I loved working in press Um, and then I was an agent for uh, classical musicians um, at a big company called IMG. And mm. then I just heard about this new piano magazine that was launching and they wanted a editor. And I just, I applied and I just didn't even think I'd get an interview because I've never been in publishing. And, and you know, I, I didn't, you know, I just hadn't been in publishing at all. And when mm. I got the job, I was, I couldn't believe it. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I had to, and then I had to learn how it was to become to be an editor. But yeah. it felt very natural because uh, being the editor of a piano magazine, because I knew all the pianists and I I knew how to play and I I had lots of context contacts from my previous job. So oh yes all, yes yeah. oh that's yes I mean that must have been a huge part of why they wanted you because you already had all those contacts. Yes, I had I knew all the agents and mm. the pianists um, and I'd met a lot of pianists when I was at EMI. Uh, in fact, my first my, my first cover artist was the Norwegian Leif Ove Andner. Yes. And I managed to get him on a cover because I used to work at IMG and his agent, Catherine, was a good friend of mine. Ah. And I said, I said can, you, can we ask, will you ask him if he'll be on the cover? And, he, and she said, of course he will. Yeah. Oh. Um, mm. yeah so it's all connection. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So have you got any tips? Because I've not been running this podcast for uh, that long a period of time. Have you got any tips for interviewing people? What are some of the sort of tips that you've picked up along the way? <laughs> That's really interesting. Well, first of all, why are you going in there to interview the person? What do you want out of it? Mm. Um, so obviously you're going in because it's the right time to do something. It could be it ties in with something that that person is doing. Um mm. And, and then, of course, you know about that person. You want to ask them things you've always wanted to ask them. You have to think how it's going to look on page, you know, mm-hmm. what you want to get across, um, and ask them a load of questions. And you might not use all of them, and, and it all comes together afterwards. You know, you break it down into sections. You think, I'd like to ask them about their past, how they got to where they are today. And it's, But usually, if you're sitting with somebody, you kind of get along with it. It all just happens, and then you suddenly think, oh, God, okay. I must ask that other question. This has made me think, you know, so you're, you're actually mm. asking new questions come to light while you're in the middle of the interview. I think it's very natural. I really, really do. I think interviews mm. are lovely. Um, <laughs> unless unless somebody just doesn't like answering or unless it's a, like a yes, no answer, like, you know, that's hard. But that's yeah. really, that rarely happens with, with artists, musicians, you know. Have you had pianists who've been in a very bad mood, who've not wanted to chat much that you've interviewed? Uh, I swear, less than 1%, you know. Mm. I, I, I honestly cannot think of a terrible interview I've done where I've thought, oh, God, that was awful. What am I going to do? No, it just hasn't happened. Mm. No, because, um, because 
musicians are generally interesting, even if they might not be sociable or uh, chatty. They still have interesting yeah. stuff to say, you know? Yes. Someone was saying to me recently who, who happens to know quite a lot of professional pianists, uh, classical pianists, that they all seem to, and, and he was saying, and, and I wasn't sure I agreed with this, but he was saying that, that such a giant majority of them are sort of socially challenged. <laughs> what do you think about that? Do you, do you, because oh, you've obviously met so many of them. I mean, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I mean, really, yes, there are going to be a few. There are, honestly, some do not want to be interviewed. They are shy. They don't feel it. You know, some people really don't like this whole media thing, which is fine. Mm. Um, but the majority of people I've interviewed, I've had no problem with. They're socially fine. They, they're all different characters, and they might not be my friends uh, out of the interview room, or I might not, you know, they might not be people I'd want to be friends with, and vice versa. But, you know, I find them fascinating, most of them. I really do. Mm, yeah, and I don't have a hard time with them. And if you do have a hard time with them, you just have to steer them in the right direction, or just suddenly begin to think, "Oh, okay, right." They don't want to talk about that, so they want to talk more about this. So, and you mm. have to go with that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go off. Some of them go off waffling. You know, they they start talking about something. You think, "Oh no, no, I don't. I, I'm not going to use that." <laughs> you just have to let them. Yeah, you just have to let them do it, and then you, when they pause, then you bring them back to where you want them. Yes. You know. Yeah, I did want to ask you when you you got to a really high level. Um, your your playing's lovely, and and if it's okay with you, I'll use uh, some clips of your playing um, in the podcast. Um, now, why did you decide that you didn't want to become a professional pianist? Um, I think I think I knew I didn't have everything that it took, um, and you know that was fine by me. I think I just knew I didn't have the early training that is required. You know, I, I come mm. from Nottingham. Um, I had a really lovely piano teacher, a very good piano teacher in Nottingham, but I was not doing the Chopin etudes when I was 12 or 13 or whatever. I, mm. you know, I wasn't doing, in my opinion, the things you need to do if you're going to be one of these top pianists playing around the world. Um, you know, so my technique wasn't up there with the likes of, you John Wang and Lang Lang, or even you know <laughs> how many how many are? <laughs> no, but, but it wasn't even. I don't think it was up there, you know, to play a flawless recital from beginning to end. I mean, you know, and you know, and memorizing everything and blah blah blah. Mm, so no matter mm. how, let's say, musical I was or talented in some aspects, I just didn't have the full package. So I knew. It was quite easy for me to just decide not to. And I, there were mm. some emotional things too. My, you know, my my family loved what I did. My mother especially, you know, mm. had dreams of me becoming some famous concert pianist. And, mm. you know, tragically she died when I was in music school. So that oh. kind of that kind of altered things for me. It made me question why am I doing this? You know, mm. things mm. like that. But. I have no regrets at all, you know. Mm. It's not wasn't for me. Wasn't for me. Well, I think that that sort of raises a, an interesting issue about the the modern world of classical music, where the emphasis is, um, you know, in a well, we're we're in a post CD age now. I was going to say CD age, but you know, a, a post CD age where everything is expected to be incredibly accurate, note perfect. Uh, it's highly competitive. 
Um, I, I think it's a it's such a shame that um, it's no longer a, a world mm-hmm. where the expression can be sort of more important than accuracy. Um, have you got any sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind of agree. I do agree. Um, there's nothing we can do about it, really. Maybe there'll be a kind of reversal <laughs> where, all <of> <laughs> <laughs> where all of a sudden wrong notes become really trendy. Um, I don't know. Or, you know, uh, it, yeah, this perfection thing is just insane. I really think mm. that. I, but I, I take my hat off to people who can do it. I, you know, I don't know how. But I think it's all to do with the training. And that's it, the young training. And if, if I'd have been born in... Russia or China, things might have turned out out very differently for me. But again, um, that's okay because I, you know, I don't think I'd have wanted to really be a concert pianist. I mean, I so admire them. I have no jealousy whatsoever. Mm. But um, gosh, what a life. Are Uh, are there some concert pianists who come relatively late in life, like didn't follow us? only start sort of really properly um, practicing in his 20s. Volodos? I don't Didn't know. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, but there must be some pianists who, are, who, who don't start super early but, but still come to a career in it. That's true. There are definitely some. And I maybe you're right about Volodos. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah, even... There are people like Maria Yoapirez who yes. who were, were kind of unheard of, and Sokolov who were unheard of, mm. and then all of a sudden in their in their middle age they suddenly become really famous. But actually they were mostly pretty good when they were eighteen, you know. Yeah, Sokolov um, particularly. I don't think he just suddenly found that technique in his twenties or his thirties. No, no way. <laughs> no. But, but I no. Think, yeah, I think some concert pianists do sort of come to it relatively but yeah yeah you're right it's not that common is it um it's not that common and if you read all their biogs i mean but then of course there was a prodigies or the you know like the baron boys and the kissins who who really were getting up there on the stage at the age mm. 13 mm. you know and and um and you're just thinking that is something else you know but it you know uh it's something else but again it's training especially with kissin he went to uh I think the Ganesin school, I could be wrong. So, but you know, these schools in Russia, oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Same with ballet, isn't it? Same with ballet. Well, yeah. mind you, yeah, I mean, you know. And that's how Rachmaninoff came to be so good. He was literally living with his teacher, just doing nothing but practicing. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's the same <laughs> with, yeah, a lot of them. Uh, who else was that? Pogorelich, he was. Uh, pretty living with his well his teacher I think yeah became his wife oh sure wow that. crikey yeah. that's intense yeah. <laughs> but, but Kissin Kissin I believe I don't know whether he still travels with his piano teacher but of course Kissin is now uh, a grown man and he's you know recently got married and everything mm, but so mm. I, think, I think his piano teacher and a cantor <clears throat> is always, always present you know She's, mm. she's about 95, 96, but she still travels around with him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. training is so important, you know. 
Um, I, th I think as well, you know, like talking about, well, how can things change with all of the perfect notes? Uh, it was quite interesting that, that I went to the, uh, the Leeds piano competition last year and I tried oh, yeah. to go to as much of it as possible, like not just oh. the finals. So, so I yeah. went to quite a lot of the uh, preliminaries and I was very pleased this year, very sort of interested how some yeah. of the performers who were uh, some of my favorites had yeah. really catastrophic memory lapses, fell apart, sort of got themselves together, had wrong notes, and got through against other ah. people who were a lot more sort of accurate. And I thought, that's very interesting. I like that. That's fantastic. I I was actually there at the just at the final, so I missed all of the prelims. But that is really encouraging. That's fantastic. So the judges obviously saw potential in these people, regardless yeah. of that they... That they um, had a messy, messy yeah. moment. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't sure about it uh, last year because I think a, a good proportion of the jury were non-pianists, and I sort of understand why they would do that. And at the same time, <clears throat> I can't help but have the opinion that if you're going to judge a competition at that level, that you really need to be inside-out familiar with piano repertoire in the world and in, in the world of piano. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought most of them were pianists. I think I think quite a lot of them were. I know that. Um, well, maybe there was Adam Gatehouse. Obviously, one of the artistic directors isn't, or maybe you know. But there was Imogen Cooper. There was mm. Shy Wasmer. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember all the names now. They're not in in front of me, but uh, yes. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they were trying to steer clear of teachers. Um, yes. That's what they, yeah, they didn't want teachers, um, especially teachers of entrance. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was a good competition last year, very good. Hmm. Yes, I, I, I particularly liked Mario Hari. thought he was absolutely superb. Who? Ma Mario Hari. He played the Beethoven. I remember him. Did he? Oh, Herring, yeah. Oh, Herring. Sorry, I'm I'm not Don't good worry. with German. I'm not good with German <laughs> pronunciation. No, you must probably said it correctly. No, of course I remember him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, no, it was a good a good competition. I enjoyed being there. Absolutely. Competitions. I think a lot of people are not sure that competitions are healthy in the world of classical music, although they're, they're obviously very useful for media and magazines as things to report on. Well, what do yeah. you think about uh, the, the role of competitions in the world of classical music? Um, 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 I think they're necessary. I, 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 you know, I think, I think it would be silly just to say, let's, you know, let's, let's eradicate piano competitions. They give at least, you know, the winner or the, the top three people or whatever the chance to have real amazing careers. So they're there to help, not really to hinder. A lot of people think, you know, they choose the wrong winner, blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, mm. and there's too many people playing like typewriters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think they are there in principle to help. So, you know, that, that person might not have been discovered otherwise. So yeah. give gives a talented person a chance to be discovered. Mm. How else is he to be discovered? Uh, you know, unless mm. you've got real connections, like knowing a famous conductor or a famous piano teacher or something, it's very hard to get discovered. Yes. So the, I, I think it's okay. And and could you feel a difference in, in the last 
Leeds piano competition like as opposed to previous years because I mean I know that they tried to really change the feel of it um is that something that that you felt that you could pick up on yeah I mean they were doing lots of stuff in Leeds the actual town um they they've done I think they were trying to embrace the world as well they they did the um prelims in different locations berlin i think and yeah i didn't like that obviously (laughs) the fact that i couldn't go to them (laughs) no oh i see yeah so in a way yeah yeah i can understand that they brought less people over yeah Um, no i see i see um, what they were doing but from a selfish point of view i was like what they're not having them here this year that's that's disappointing but but obviously much easier for the jurors yeah that's funny that's funny that's funny but um I don't know. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. I enjoyed it this year. Um, I think it did need a bit of a freshen up, and that's what it got. Um, Mm. Let's see what happens in in two years' time for the next one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, I'd, um, I'd, I think I've sort of pretty much exhausted uh, all of the, the questions and, and stuff that I, that I wanted to chat about. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm so happy that, that you agreed to be on the podcast because as, as editor of um, of the, the Pianist magazine, I, I would imagine that, that you're just so busy with all of the deadlines. <laughs> so I'm I'm just so pleased that, that you made the time for, for the podcast. But thank you so much. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And, you know, uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. All right. Um, thanks very much then, Erica. You're welcome. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So yes, many, many thanks again to Erica for that fantastic interview. Uh, just the usual sort of things at the end of the podcast. Uh, please do uh, review us in iTunes, particularly if you can, if you don't use iTunes, uh, whatever other um, platforms of choice that, that you use to get your podcast. It's really useful uh, to rate and, and like it on iTunes in particular because it then helps it to go up the charts and for other people to find the podcast who, who would find it interesting and useful. Um, also, do look at the show notes. Um, I, put, I always put show notes for each episode up on heartofthepiano.com. Uh, if you look at podcasts, uh, there's always tons and tons of show notes that I put there. So there'll be um, links to all of the things that we talk about and more. Um, and please do subscribe so that every time there's a new episode, you know when it's come out. So thanks again to everybody for listening and thanks again to Erica. Cheers. Bye.